and you're listening to the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. This week, the penultimate episode, episode 15 of season three, uh, directed by effects man Greg Nicotero and written by our new showrunner for next season, Scott M. Gimple. We're joined by special guest Dan Heaton for the postmortem. Listen to the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. I am content editor over at Sound on Sight. My name is Simon Hall. I'm joined by TV editor Kate Kolzik. Hey guys. And general editor, saluting to general editor, Mr. Ricky. General D. editor. Hey everybody. And uh, we're joined by special guest SOS contributor Dan Heaton. Hey, I'm glad to be here. And okay, I have no idea how this is going to go, but here's what's going down. For the first time, we're recording an episode of the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast immediately. After having watched The Walking Dead, the TV series. So Rick hasn't had time to write his review and collect his thoughts. We haven't had time to confer with each other very much about how we feel about the episodes. We have no idea how this is going to go. You're hearing it live as we relay our thoughts to each other for the first time. For the most part, Kate and I chatted a little bit while we were watching the episode. But still. So it's all very off the cuff, even more so than usual. So anyway, uh, back to The Walking Dead, This Sorrowful Life, the penultimate episode of Season 3. As we already mentioned, it was directed by Greg Nicotero, who is, of course, the effects whiz behind all the uh, great effects on the show, and written by Scott Gimple, who is going to be showrunning next season, so possibly uh, a harbinger of things to come. So, Rick, I guess I'm going to start with you. Um, Big episode in some ways. A small episode and others. Uh, For me personally, my experience watching this episode was sort of all over the map of my own feelings about The Walking Dead, but I'm curious how you felt about it. I don't know, guys. I just, I can't wait for the wedding episode. It's going to be amazing. I want to, like, cater it. I want to, like, be the wedding planner. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, obviously there's going to be lots of pageantry. Um, I actually don't want to start today because uh, I had this theory that when I like something, Kate automatically hates it and vice versa. So I want to know what Kate thinks because I want to see if we're on the same page page this week without, like, you know, my review on the website influencing Kate's opinion. Because I just feel Kate likes to argue with me. Well, I do. It's fun. You make it very fun. (laughs) I enjoy arguing with all three of you gentlemen, though I have had very little opportunity to argue with Dan since since he has such impeccable taste in television. But uh, for, as far as this episode, it is—it's a very different experience. Uh, for those listening, it's a very different experience. Uh, immediately coming on right after it's aired to to give our thoughts. Um, so I maybe as we're, we're talking, I'll, I'll end up with a different take on it. But I think there are several things that this episode does really well, um, and 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 to to fo- in order to focus on the things that I think it does very well, regardless of any enjoyment level. The thing that's a little frustrating to me is that I have to overlook some really stupid things, basically, decisions made by the characters. If you overlook the fact that it makes zero sense, at least to me, for the for Ricky for Rick to even entertain <laughs> this notion that the governor will stick to his word, that's that's ridiculous and it's ridiculous even if we didn't know what we we found out about last week 
uh, if you can get past that, then I think the way that this episode is structured, it's similar to Clear, which was also written by Gimple. You have most of our scenes with two people, um, maybe three. And I think that works well, putting uh, especially Merle and Michonne, the two outsiders of the group, in a car together and letting them both talk, which doesn't really fit with either character. Uh but if you again, if you put that aside, those scenes work really well and uh, are are the best way to tell this story if you're going to tell this story. So I think I'm at with this episode. My relationship with it is I think it was executed well, but I don't think again it's a problem I've seen I've had with a lot of this season, especially the more recent episodes. It doesn't feel true to the characters and what they would do, what has been established for them in the past. So that's my quick take on it. Hmm. Interesting. You know, you know, um, there's, I really like this episode. There's uh, two things that I really like about it. Um, first of all, I was shocked that Merle dies or becomes a zombie because I thought the whole episode was structured in a way where they were trying to find ways for Merle to redeem himself and for the audience to really care and like Merle to keep him around for probably season four. Last week, I was like, there's no way Merle's going to go into season four. And when this episode started and right up until, you know, the governor shoots him, I was like, holy shit, he's actually going to save the day and they're going to keep this character around for a, a little while longer. So I was actually completely in shock that Merle turned into a zombie, that the governor actually did shoot him because we see the gun go off. It goes to commercial break. We come back and then we we discover that Merle's a zombie because Daryl finds him. And so I just I actually thought that that was kind of surprising and shocking, and that was a really touching moment. And I thought it was a great performance by Norman Reedus because I did not know he had such a range. I thought that was one of the best performances we've seen from for, from a character in that sort of situation. So that's one thing that I really liked about the episode. And I'm sorry, guys, but I loved, I loved how, how Merle just sits in a car and he's drinking liquor and the zombies just are like crawling around the car and he slowly brings the zombies to Woodbury and he's, he, uh, he gets like his own little army to like raid Woodbury. I thought that was so cool. And I just loved that moment of the episode. There's a lot of other things I like too. In terms of the character decisions, I'm kind of at the point where I... And just past trying to figure out what these characters, what kind of decisions they'd be making in a zombie apocalypse. I've never lived through a zombie apocalypse. I don't know what it's like. I, I can't imagine the pressure. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is that I'm okay with characters making odd choices and decisions as long as it fits with their character. Like as long as, it, as, long as it's not out of character. And I don't really know if anyone did anything out of character except, except for maybe like Rick. His whole decision to supposedly like actually think about taking Michonne and sacrificing her that felt out of place, not just for him, but for like Daryl, for, for Herschel. I, I, I can't buy into that for one second. Like I thought that was over and done with like two episodes ago at the end of the second last episode, when Herschel and Rick have the little talk outside of prison, I thought it was decided that, that they weren't going to turn in Michonne. And so I was a little disappointed that the episode started with them back on, oh, yeah, I think we should turn Michonne over to the governor. So I was like, really? There's no way this group would do that ever. Which, by the way, I agree with you, but I, I think it does prove Kate right, actually, about her take on that last scene. So Doing I, my I was right dance. Right she's now. doing the I was right dance. But, but but anyway, let's let's disregard that for a moment because I don't want to focus on her being right. I want to hear what Dan has to say. Sure, yeah. And actually, I... I have to agree with Kate. I hate to jump into that, but I spent a lot of the early parts of the episode thinking, 
what is going on? Because I like on Arrow in the Doorpost, you know, the whole way that ended, the whole meeting with the governor, I thought it's obvious. Rick has to know that this is not the type of man that's going to keep any type of promise that he would possibly make or any type of plan. So that was frustrating. And it also surprised me. I did like the episode overall. I think the scene you mentioned at the end with Daryl and Merle was stunning. And I think I'll like it more the more I think about it. But um, it surprised me this being the second last episode that especially for the first half, it almost felt like if I didn't know it was the second last episode, I wouldn't think it was. Because like you said, they spent so much time with Merle and with Michonne driving around. And I'm thinking, this isn't what I, I thought it would be more they would build up. You know, I mean, it makes sense because last time we were at Woodbury and now we're with the prison. But they took quite a tangent. And I know it was to set up Merle at the end. But that threw me for a loop for a while, even if it, it was the actors both did a great job. Yeah, I, I, I think for me, I, f- I feel like I wonder if, again, I have to be Mr. Negative. I'm sorry. It's just what I do on this podcast. I wonder if our collective response to the episode isn't tainted by the fact that it ends really strongly. But it does end really strongly. Yes, I'm agreeing with you. I'm, I, I agree with you. It ends with a really good scene and it sets it up nicely, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of bull in this episode. And I don't feel like I can overlook that either. Um, I mean, you, 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 I think we're all in agreement that the thing with Rick and Michonne is ridiculous. And I think it makes Rick really, it makes him even harder to take seriously as a character when they write in these arbitrary decisions for him. And the way, and it, 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 it almost doesn't help the way every other character on the show knows that he'll capitulate because it's like, okay, if you all know he's like a dithering idiot, why are you letting him be the leader again? Like they all just seem to, they all just seem to sit back and say, okay, well he decided to be leader and we're just going to be okay with it because he's got the first name in the credits, even though they know what he's saying and doing isn't making any sense. And I'm just like, we've seen all these characters be strong and assertive and interesting. So why hasn't any of them stepped up? And it just makes me think, Oh, and that's because that's how they've written it. And it's just arbitrary because Andrew Lincoln is the protagonist of this show. And it, it, it weakens everything for me personally. It's the only way. No one else knows. You gonna tell him? Not till after. We have to do it today. It has to be quiet. Got a plan? You tell her we need to talk. Away from the others. No, no, it isn't. We do this, we avoid a fight. No one else dies. Cut. We need someone else. I'll talk to him. I'll do it. I'll go with you. No. Just me. Well, but I think they've done a good job of establishing, even earlier uh, in the first half of the season, that he kept them alive. And he's earned their trust in that. But the frustration I had, as far as it goes, the the people, uh, you know, again, 
I think dithering is a, is a perfect word about whether they're going to uh, release Michonne or not to the governor. The The problem I had was that everyone's objections seem to be based on moral grounds, which are valid. But nobody was saying this guy, Merle saw him gun down military people try, who were looking for aid. Why do you think... What like just intelligently just divorce emotions from this entire situation, divorce divorce ethics from the situation. There is absolutely no no logical reason to believe that he will do that that he will do what he says he will do, and they don't do a good enough job in this episode of selling the notion that Rick wants to believe it that. He knows it's not the case, but he's desperate to believe it. If that's what the argument they want, they don't support it in the writing and the performance. And so to not have anybody bring up just the logical fallacy of that decision is frustrating. Okay, um, there's an expression for film critics, and I believe um, it was Jean-Luc Godard who said this. I could be mistaken, or maybe Fellini, but anyways. And he says that within a film, if a film has three great scenes and not one bad scene, it is a good movie. And so if you look at this episode as just an episode and forget about all its connections to the rest of the series, like let's say you're a first-time viewer and you watch this episode as a first-time viewer, you have never seen any episodes of The Walking Dead, I think you will love it. I think there's three fantastic scenes and not one bad scene. I agree with uh, everything you guys are saying about trying to figure out the logic behind a lot of the characters' decisions and motivations and whatnot. But uh, in terms of the three scenes that I think are fantastic, I think this, the scene in which Daryl discovers Merle has a zombie is amazing. Like absolutely one of the best scenes of the whole entire series. I think that the scene in which Michonne is tied up outside of what I think is a sort of like a, a little shop and she has to think of ways to kill off the zombies while she's tied up. I thought that scene was fantastic. I was like, go Michonne. This is the kind of Michonne I want to see. Again, I like the scene in which uh, Merle raids Woodbury and he brings his little gang of zombies along for the ride while he's like riding the car blasting like old rock and roll tunes. Three great scenes. I wouldn't um, pick any of those. That's interesting. Um, so those are three great scenes in my opinion. And and I and I actually really like the performances uh, delivered by, uh, by the actress who plays Michonne and Michael Rooker who plays uh, Murrow. And I liked their interaction in the car. So that worked for me. And in terms of like the characters... And like Kate, you were you you were saying that you'd understand why the characters weren't necessarily reacting to Rick's supposed decision to sacrifice Michonne. There was only three characters that knew about it. It was Herschel, who was conflicted the whole entire episode to the point where he was reading out like uh, I believe it was like a, a verse from the Bible or he was reading off some kind of poem. So he was conflicted the whole entire episode trying to figure out if he actually wanted to do this to the point where he actually approached Rick about it. Then there was Daryl, who didn't seem too happy about it, and then there was Murrow who basically cleaned up the mess himself by taking Michonne away from the prison by basically saving her life and trying to clean up the mess by attacking Woodbury by himself and hopefully saving the day. So what exactly is your problem with those characters and how they handle the situation? That's what I'm confused about. My frustration is that the reaction everyone has is based on emotion and not reason. And so it's it makes sense for them to have emotional conflicts. Herschel going to trying to get some something out of his faith makes sense, um, but nobody says we have no reason to believe this. And I, I would also add Michonne to that. She doesn't try to say there's no reason to believe that he will do what he says because she's another person clearly who knows what's going on. But uh, we have dare yeah when when she's being taken 
by Daryl and she's trying to argue for her release. She's trying to, 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 you know, try to convince him, which we get scenes of that, but she, you know, that's not brought up. At least I don't remember it if it was, but I'm going to finish with Daryl. He says, this isn't us. So that's again, an ethical plea. There's not a single logical plea. And that's, it's a moral, moral quandary. You could get into the grays of it. I think that's actually very interesting, but for me, it's black and white just because it's, it's a straight up logical issue. Hmm. It seems like you don't enjoy the show because you always put yourself in, in the minds of those characters and expect them to react the way you would react. And I think that most people do react based on emotions and not logical decisions and sitting back and really thinking about things. But Dan, let's go back to you because you are a guest. <laughs> Sorry. I can't respond to the ad hominem. <laughs> No, I um, you know, I the three scenes you mentioned, Ricky, I think are all good scenes. I think the the final scene with um, Daryl and Merle that we've talked about is wonderful. The other two scenes are good action scenes. I think the first one seems especially great because the episode was all talked to that point. So you're like, all right, and I really did like that scene. The one the, to talk positively, I do think, even though it was a small part, that the Glenn and Maggie scenes I think worked pretty well. I think. You know, it was interesting because the whole episode was almost about the other characters and their their scenes were only a few minutes. But I wanted to bring that up just because I feel like that is something with the wedding and, and everything that could easily have just been, oh, my God, you know, painful. But I think they handled it pretty well. And him cutting off the finger of that zombie to get the ring, I thought, was a nice touch. But I think that's another good part of the episode. I do, you know, to try and think of kind of areas because I think emotionally – that worked really well for me better than some of Rick's. Oh, we saw the vision of Lori and then he changed his mind stuff, which kind of just had me scratching my head a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. uh, can, can, I, I have to, I have to address something. I have to address the argument Kate and Rick were having. I mean, uh, I, I see where Rick's coming from in terms of, you know, it's, a, it's a zombie apocalypse. People react irrationally, but it's also a TV show. And I think that TV shows are more rewarding when characters demonstrate a series, a sense of series history and demonstrate a sense of, of memory and logic and like, and respond to things that we've seen and then, and then respond intelligently because it makes us feel like we're being treated like intelligent viewers. And I think to have a whole bunch of characters who know for a fact that there's absolutely no reason the governor would ever honor his word, but then never say anything about it in the episode where they should most be saying it, I think is a big problem. Yeah, but I, I think, I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that almost every single one of those characters say it's a gamble. They don't, they aren't 100% sure that this will work and they know it's a gamble. And that's why at the end of the day, Rick decides not to do it. It's like if, if, if at the end of the day, the characters had actually taken Michonne to Woodbury and gone through the whole process of delivering her then I can I can be on your, your side, right? But that didn't happen. We, we, they basically gave these characters a chance to think it over and contemplate it. And at the end of the episode, all the characters agreed that this is wrong. Herschel decided to step up and tell Rick. Only Rick had just decided that he wasn't going to do it. And, Marshall, and Merle decided that, you know, this is not going to work. It's not the way to do it. So he takes Michonne away from the prison. Even though he believes that Rick doesn't really have the balls to do it, he, he basically takes Michonne away from the prison and goes to Woodbury to clean up the mess himself. All of the characters in the episode actually came to that 
final decision, which you guys are complaining about. Yes, but A, we spent a bunch of an episode on it when it was a foregone conclusion, and B, you're calling it a gamble, but the characters should know it's not even a gamble, because they already know the governor's just full of shit. Like, that, well, that just makes it a no. And they know that the governor has a history of slaughtering people for their goods. And the, they know that the governor knows that they have a lot of weaponry there. There, It's not a, it's not a gamble. Gamble means that even there's a 5%, there's a 0% chance. And Merle should know this more than anybody else. Michonne should know this. The, most of the people in that group should know this. And so my problem, my frustration, and again, like I said... I don't like the choices that the characters make because it doesn't really make sense. But I did actually end up liking this episode because of how it's executed. And my frustrations are not because of how I would react in the situation. My frustrations are because the characters are not be acting intelligently based on the information that they have. Okay, but the thing is, it's like I thought this episode was fantastic, right? And like, I mean, personally, for me speaking, when it came to season three... Most of my negative comments came from the comparison of the original source material, like the comic book, to the TV show. And so as a, a reader and a fan of the comic book, I was a little disappointed with the way they handled a lot of the characters throughout season three, like Michonne, like Tyrese, like Andrea, etc., etc. And so that came as a disappointment for me as a fan, right? Now, um, the thing is, I thought this was a great episode, and you guys came in heavily negative. Now... I guess uh, my question for you, Simon, is like this is the second last episode of the se of season three. You've clearly not been happy with the season so far. Are you ready to break up with the show? Because I mean, I'm just like if you didn't like this episode, like I don't know what you're gonna like because you're never gonna get like a top notch episode every single week from this series. That's been proven. It's not as good as say Breaking Bad or The Wire or Deadwood. I, I think. You said the, the episode had three great scenes. What What's really funny to me is I thought the episode had two great scenes, but one of them you didn't mention, which, I, I again, I, I find that amusing. The The closing scene was clearly great, and if the show could deliver that kind of emotional gut punch every week, I think it could be great, but it doesn't seem to want to you know, deliver that or thinks that it, that it can't or that it has to space those things out, whatever. Mm -hmm. The other scene I thought was great uh, was actually the proposal scene. Every anyone who listens to the Televerse knows I'm a sucker for a good proposal scene, and I, I liked the simplicity of of the proposal, and I I also liked the the simplicity of of Glenn's uh, plea or or scene with Herschel. Uh, it was all very no nonsense and uh, and very affecting in a very low key way. That was great. It it kind of connects to this idea that The Walking Dead is better when people say the absolute minimum they have to say, and not just when there's uh you know actors who are better suited to having small as material i'm i think uh, in terms of breaking out with the walking dead uh it should it should not be a surprise to long-time listeners that i'm thinking about it i guess even uh episodes that have good stuff like this one does they don't um they, they don't put aside my fears that there is no good long-term plan for this show mm -hmm. okay but okay so first of all i agree with you that the scenes between Glenn and Maggie were handled very well. I don't know if I'll go so far as calling them great, but they were very good. Um, but I, I guess I'm just trying to understand, like, I mean, you have a fear about the long-term, uh, about The Walking Dead long-term, but what about just enjoying it now and present? Like, are you even enjoying the show at this point? And it's okay if you're not. Like, I have yeah. a lot of friends <laughs> who have broken up with the show, I, trust me. Like I said, like, I, week to week... I, 
like in this episode, there were good scenes, but a TV show is always an investment. And not only when you're doing a podcast, you know, it's always, you know, I'm spending the time because I'm checking in on these characters, this setting, this world, these ethics, these morals every week. And, and also, you know, and, or in the case of Spartacus, I just like seeing junk everywhere. But anyway, um, <laughs> but but in the case of but you know, it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be forming long term emotional attachments. I'm supposed to be, you know, it, watching a TV show is an intense thing, and yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a commitment. And I don't have real relationships. I only have relationships with television, apparently. Uh, and um, and as far as my, I, I kind of feel like my relationship with The Walking Dead has become abusive, and I and I. And I just don't know if, if it's doing enough for me these days. Interesting. And what about you, Dan? Like, uh, what's your take on season three so far? You know, it's interesting because I had some frustrations and more in season two with, you know, how long it was and how I felt like there were times where the characters were behaving just ridiculously. And the way they started the first half of season three, I thought was when they went in the prison, they had some of their strongest episodes because they were just so visceral and they were just crazy. And I felt like the characters... We just got a lot stronger lately since they've been at Woodbury. I feel like we, it's kind of been all over the map. There's been great scenes. There's been great episodes and then there's been bad episodes. And I know you guys have brought this up on previous podcasts. I think this season with three fewer, four fewer episodes would be stunning. I think they could really condense it down, but I know they have a certain order they have to meet, but that's kind of what it was with this episode where I looked at it and I went, there's a lot of great stuff in this episode. There's act. I love Michael Rooker. I think he does as good a work in this episode as I've seen him do in a, in a long time. I think even Andrew Lincoln is very good, even though Rick's kind of all over the map. But I think this episode shows that there are other. They kind of. I feel like it's a little dragged out. I feel like they they had to hit certain beats. They want to hit a certain point with Merle. They want to hit certain points with each character. But it doesn't. It feels like at times it's just meandering, getting to those points, and that's kind of my thought about the season. I'll definitely stick it around for the next season because I think the high points are very high. But I think that it's all. I mean, it's one of those shows where I feel like they can hit so strongly, and then they can have other episodes where you're just like, "What are people doing?" And I guess it's also a symptom of having so many characters. Well, but, and what I what I find funny, and some of this will will be positive in case people are worried about me being negative for a long time again what what i find funny is that the, the first bit of the season was really well paced and i and i thought to myself oh so um you know our new showrunner is then our new showrunner which is now <laughs> fired which i find funny but anyway then i thought oh they fixed the pacing issues they've they've corrected course they've realized what's wrong and this season is going to just kick ass front to back and i can totally justify my investment in the show and then these last the 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 back half of the season hit and that and and some of the episodes before and then you know that old feeling settled in where i'm like oh i remember what show this is now well and i think what you say simon is is really significant ricky earlier uh you said that if you just look at this episode and you take it out of the context of everything else there are three great scenes for you and that makes this a really good uh, and no bad ones, and that makes this a really good episode. The thing is, this is a TV show. It's not a movie. And you can't, in a serialized television show like this, you can't just take it out of context and ignore everything that comes around it. Because it's something I've said before, and other people, other critics say this too, many, most, really, TV shows 
at a certain point kind of teach you how to watch them and and most shows hopefully the ones that you like that you come back to over and over again part of that is going to be because you trust the writers you trust the showrunners so if they do something that you're not quite sure about that doesn't necessarily that seems like it's headed in a direction you're you're not uneasy about you go you know but i like this show i trust these writers i'm sure they they know something I don't, and therefore it's going to make sense, and I'll go with it. And it sounds like uh, Simon, you are not—you don't have that trust. You do not trust your showrunners. Oh no, to I don't. Do uh, well, who am I going to trust? Am I going to trust? Am I going to trust Frank Darabont, who's gone? Am I going to trust Glenn Mazzara, who's gone? Am I going to trust Scott Gimple, who will probably be gone later? Well, yeah, and it's—it's it's so when you when you look at a scene, when when you look at a scene like uh, Ricky, the. Um, the, the the fight outside of the motel or whatever that is for you that's a great scene out of context of the series maybe it's it's a really good scene for me it wasn't suspenseful at all because i knew michonne couldn't die there because she had to get in the car and get away so that merle could make her decision and so that scene while there were some cool effects in it was not a great scene. Whereas for me, because I'm looking at this show in its larger context, I agree with Simon and and then Dan. You also mentioned this, of course, as well. That the quiet moment between Glenn and Maggie was lovely. That was great. That that is a scene that I would say qualifies an episode to be a damn good episode. But when I think about the other shows that are on TV right now, if I were to list only three great moments from this past week's justified or Spartacus or the Americans. None, nothing in this episode would qualify for me. Even that last scene. I don't, I didn't like that last scene as much as you guys did though. That reveal was pretty spectacular. So I don't know. I just, I, I can't take one episode out of the context of everything that surrounds it. I'm not asking you to, I'm just trying you, to, you did earlier. No, no, I didn't. What I'm saying, if you, <laughs> what I know, I mean, Kate, like, I, like, Maybe this is why our listeners don't like listening to our podcast anymore. I was making a point that if a first-time viewer came and watched that episode, that first-time viewer, being a first-time viewer, never seen any other episode of The Walking Dead, would think it's a great episode. I wasn't referring to you or pointed you out or said that you would. Um, I think that that sequence was good. I don't necessarily need suspense in every single sequence because, yes, we do know that these characters are going to survive and live. It's like watching Iron Man 2 and knowing he's going to survive and live and or The Avengers. Um but the thing is, that sequence was beautifully executed. The special effects were amazing. And it was innovative. Like, it was a great way to have someone kill zombies on the show for once that wasn't the usual, like, let's take out the samurai sword and, you know, chop off their heads. And it was a great way to show that Michonne, like Andrea, can fight off walkers even without a weapon. It makes her a stronger character. It makes her a much more interesting character. Uh, I think this episode is fantastic. I really do. And I, I don't think it's one of the best episodes. But if you look at the second half of season three, by far, Clear is one of the best episodes, probably the second best episode of the whole entire series so far. Yes, they've had some bad episodes. I've complained about The Suicide King, for example. Not a huge, huge fan of The Suicide King. Wasn't a huge fan of Arrow on the Doorpost. Not a bad episode, just not a great episode. But I uh, I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I guess I should ask you too, Kate, the same question. Like, why do you continue watching the show? Because it seems like you are even more disappointed than Simon. Simon just kind of seems like, you know, like he just doesn't care about the show anymore. He just shrugs his shoulders like, well, whatever, it's a Walking Dead episode. But you get really passionately heated and upset about watching the episode. But yet you continue to watch it. So it must be doing something for you to keep watching it. Like there must be something good in this series for you to keep watching it. Well, what I would say is, 
just the very first thing I said when I was asked what I thought of this episode was that while I don't like the character choices, it's executed really well. So I did like this episode, as I've said twice before on this podcast. I think it's okay to be critical and even highly critical of what uh, the, the mechanics of a, an episode are, are or of a series and to still find enjoyment in moments. I don't think this The Walking Dead is anywhere near really the best of television right now. I think it can be really fun. I think it can be really exhilarating. I think they know how to shoot action and they know how to do some of these character beats really well. But if I'm going to sit and it's like there on the televerse, there are some shows that, that we watch that we don't really talk about. And one of the shows that I would like to watch uh, when I, when I, you know, I'll marathon a bunch of them, but I don't ever talk about it on the televerse is psych, which is an incredibly enjoyable show but there's nothing for me to say about it, because if I'm going to analyze it critically, most of the time it's just they're going for fun. And that's all that that, that show cares to be, and it does it really well. And so if I'm going to take an analytical approach to The Walking Dead, I, I can't just I'm not just going to say this scene was fun. The dialogue was fun. <laughs> there, the action sequence was well executed. I'm going to look at what the larger issues with it are and what the larger things that I would praise are. So I I just, I don't see a contrast, I guess, between having some of these lingering frustrations and still being able to enjoy what the show does well. Yeah, I think that um, one of the issues I have, and I don't mean to pile on at all, I'm going to flip this to something good, but is that they tend to get a singular focus with certain parts of the seasons. Like when they were looking for Sophia, and now it's all about we're going after the governor. And you assume at the end of the season that he'll probably be killed in some way, possibly by Andrea. I thought it might be by Merle, but obviously that won't happen. And I just, I feel like the shows that I like best, it's sometimes harder to see the strings. And what draws me to this show, the fact that I really like a lot, I love Herschel, I love Glenn, Maggie, you know, a lot of Daryl, especially a lot of the characters. And I do feel like the actors do such a good job and it's well executed but it can be frustrating when you feel like we're we're rolling to a certain point that we know we're going to hit. And some of it feels too much like filler. And my favorite shows, even when we're having those filler moments or those setup moments, you're still like with it because you feel like you don't feel like this is just setting up to set us move us to the next place. And that's kind of where the challenge I find watching the show where I like hanging out with the characters. But I. I sometimes lose interest when I realize, okay, now we're just going to do this for the episode and we're not going to make much progress. And it wasn't as much this week. It was more in the past, but I could see a little bit of it in the first half of this week, too. I, there's one more uh, <laughs> thing I, I do have to mention to be critical. And then one thing I will mention to be positive. Um, and this, again, this is not some, a problem with this episode. This is a frustration I have because, as like with Simon, I don't trust the powers that be on the show. Was anybody else frustrated that now we're back to voting what was the last time they voted on something can someone remind me season two yeah the, season, season two. two ended with no more vote you know there's no more vote i'm in charge I, I is i is that just me yeah um, i think so and the positive thing i wanted to mention it is ties in with what you said earlier ricky um and maybe this would have been even more effective if something we talked about last week when you we were praising bear mccurry's score that if they hadn't been using as many um uh soundtrack choices over um, over montages, this would have been even more effective. But I was actually struck by how effective it was to have Merle blasting the radio because we haven't really heard anybody listening to the radio that much. In Woodbury, a little bit, yes, but 
so I thought that, that use of a character actually listening to music and having that just that tiniest taste of before life was really effective. Yeah, well, I mentioned that a few times on a podcast um, where I wish they would just have more uh, music playing within the episode, not like, you know, like you said, Kate, like playing over as a soundtrack. Like there was a great sequence uh, in which one time Merle put on like a vinyl record. He was listening to old jazz music and that was fantastic. And I would like to think that these people still find some enjoyment and pleasure in life, that they don't just sit around thinking about how they're going to kill the next zombie because they don't seem to really do anything, which is kind of weird. Uh, I think this show would benefit if they added more humor and more mystery. Because another thing I liked about this episode is the last episode there was sort of like a mystery man who lit the zombies on fire. Now, a lot of people automatically assume that it's Milton. You know, maybe it is. I personally think it's too obvious of a choice. It's Milton. I think it could be someone else. Maybe Morgan. Maybe who knows? A new character. We'll see. But they didn't automatically run to trying to like resolve that like mystery like it's still a mystery and that's pretty cool and i think that's going to play a huge part in the finale um i don't know i kind of um i think i think um my problem with the walking dead is it always like i've been saying every week it, it comes it's about the writing and just the writing like i think uh, there are some episodes that are extremely well written but i think the majority of episodes suffer from poor writing and I agree with what Dan's saying. I'm wondering if, um, if maybe maybe they, they feel the need to get from point A to point B to point C to point D to make the comic book fans happy. Maybe maybe that's a problem. Like Maybe they're just trying to be too loyal to the comic book, but at the same time, they're not because they are changing a lot of characters. And I want to ask you guys, the, the kid that gets shot, was that Ben that got shot? Yep. It was, right? Okay. And also, I like why, the fact why, that- Why, is the, he a character on the in the book or something? Yeah, he, well, Alan and Ben are characters in the book, but they it's different in the book. If my memory serves me correctly, uh, Alan had twins and Ben wasn't really his son. They kind of like take characters and they, they switch them up a bit. Um, I also really like the, the scene in which the governor bites off Merle's fingers and spits it out right into the camera. <laughs> The, something that Simon and I were talking somewhat uh, during like the commercial breaks watching this, uh, one of the things that I actually commented on is I really like in this episode Merle's plan because I was frustrated with the lack of logical discussion of the governor's pl- uh, you know arrangement earlier, but his plan is is really smart. <laughs> He's going to get all the, the walkers in there so they start having to fire off their guns so nobody is going to notice him picking off the guys one by one. And I actually really appreciated that. I thought that was really clever. And it was nice to see that, that sort of tactical thinking from the man that we know is a military vet. Hmm. I still want to know if the baby's alive or not. Cause she never cries. Dan, um, you have kids. <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken, Dan, Dan, you have a, a newborn in your house, right? Yes, I do. And actually my newborn doesn't cry that much, but from my first experience, babies do cry. Did you, did you, did you, did you name her a little ass kicker? No, that was so tempting. No. Can, can I just say my because we we should be thinking about uh, wrapping up in the near future. Um, my hope for the finale, since I think we should talk about that, little ass kicker is actually already a walker and gets up out of the crib and kills the governor. <laughs> well, I think we should mention. I believe it's Ken, right? Ken from Chicago. His idea, which I love, he wants them to go full on death proof. Uh, for the end, with Michonne and Maggie and Andrea just beating the crap out of the governor. You mean like get rid of the male characters, or just have a show that falls around female characters, or just have one? No, no, no. That have that be how the governor is killed. Yeah, that would be pretty kick ass. I I agree, Ken. 
I mean, we, we, we had a full-on Tarantino uh, homage on uh, on Justified this week, so it would be kind of good to get one on The Walking Dead next week. Why not? Uh, the last thing I want to say, I, I think we, we talked a little bit, we've talked a little bit about what we hope for the finale. I just want the governor to be dead at the end of it. I don't have many other things that I want to see happen specifically. Um, I would like to know, I, I have a wedding coming up in my family's future, so wedding planning has been somewhat on the brain uh, recently what what are our thoughts for for glenn and, and maggie's wedding i don't know if we expect her to be wearing white but maybe a shower would be nice well the who, nice who thing... should be in charge of the music and who should be uh what should the readings be first corinthians well the nice thing about a post-apocalypse zombie wedding is it's really easy to fill seats that's because true. you can just strap as many walkers as you want to as many chairs as you want and they'll bitch and moan a little bit but you'll have your numbers you know, I, I'm not joking though. I think a wedding episode would be fantastic. I can picture them driving down down like some like country road, finding the church, stopping in, having the wedding. Beth sings; she's a fantastic singer. Maybe who knows? Uh, Herschel plays piano. I don't know. Just make a nice little subtle, quick moment in the yeah, show. Yeah, but Herschel can't use the pedals very well. Oh God! <laughs> <It's true. laughs> anyway, Dan, any hopes for the finales? Um, well, I, I agree. I think the governor's done and it's more just how's he going to get killed. I'm curious because I've only read very early in the comic books and I know we don't really talk about that. But I'm really curious what what are they going to do next? Because I feel like, you know, Ricky, you probably already know more of where we're going to go. But it seems so up in the air. It's like I doubt they're going to stay at the prison and I doubt Woodbury's still going to be there. Something's going to, you know, it's going to be catastrophic for one of those areas. But I don't really know. I'm thinking of, I mean, because last season at the very end, they had the, you know, the flyover and it was the prison and there I'd read stuff that was going to happen. But I haven't really heard, you know, what's do they just hit the road again? I mean, did the military get involved? I, I'm curious what's going to happen there. And also, I figure they're going to have to I hope hope they do not kill Maggie or Glenn. But I have a feeling they're going to have to kill setting it up. Yeah. And that makes me nervous. I hope they don't. But I have a feeling a few people aren't going to survive and I don't know if it'll be anyone that people like as opposed to, you know, like no offense to T-Dog, but something on that level. (laughs) But, you know, so so it'll be interesting to see what happens. So I am excited about that part of the finale for sure. That's a good point, Dan. I hadn't thought of that Uh, because it seems like the the confrontation is going to be at one place or the other because they're far enough apart that that seems to make the most sense. It's it is kind of curious what explanation they will come up with for both areas no longer being safe to stay in because right now the the prison should be safe to stay in if the fights at woodbury and woodbury should be safe if the fights at the prison i don't know i I, ricky i'm sure you know ahead a little bit so i don't know if you can respond to that simon thoughts Uh, i i haven't read the comic so uh, also, so I, I have no... You're right, they're going to have to think of something or else it's going to be kind of silly. Uh, unless there's just a whole bunch of people still left at Woodbury who are just like, okay, we'll take over from the governor from here, just please leave. Uh, and and then also someone blew up the prison. <laughs> I don't really see how that's possible, but that's all I got. But I like that there's that mystery that I don't know what how that's going to end. That's a good point, Dan. Well, you know, I still have a feeling that they're not going to resolve the whole governor issue come the next episode. Like, because I, I, cause if, if they do, so what, the governor is going to die and it's just going to fade out, credits roll, and then season five they skip ahead in the future and they're in another location? Because I can't imagine them 
Like, the thing is, I don't even understand why they want to stay at the prison. First of all, it's, it's been proven not to be safe. I mean, Rick, uh, it's like it's like uh, the governor said, like, to Rick, like, you lost your wife in that prison. Like, people have died in that prison. It's not a safe place. It's not a pleasant place to spend time in. It's a prison. So why would they even want to stay at the prison? Like, like if you want to talk about logic, the most logical thing that these people can do is get in a car and drive away. Forget about the governor and just drive to, like, I don't know, find a new town, go somewhere else, not go into war. You have, like, a newborn baby. You know, you have, like, a, a, I don't know how old Carl is. He's, like, 12 or something. You have Beth who's maybe just a little bit older. Why would you want to go to war? Like, that that in itself is not even logical. Like, they should just drive away. So, um, I... I don't know. I, and I, I, I honestly hope that it's not going to be like every season at a different location because like the, the other problem with that, it's like what Dan was saying. It's like, if you're so concerned from going, if going from point A to point B to point C to point D, like how do you really find room and time to establish characters and relationships between these characters? Like it wouldn't be such a, a bad show if it was just, you know, a show about a community that happened to take place in a zombie apocalypse. And every now and then there was like a horrifying scene. And then every now and then maybe they can throw in a, a character like the governor and have like this menacing villain. But I don't think it's like a requirement for every episode, but I feel like they have a checklist and every episode they have to check off everything that they feel they need. And I don't think they need it for every single episode. So I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but um, you know, I, I still really do like the show. Um, what is this, like 32 episodes, 34 episodes? I'm not even entirely sure how many episodes we have now. There's only two that I've disliked, and I think that's a pretty good batting average. So I'm still excited for season four because I think season four will focus more on Michonne, more on Therese, two characters which I really like. And I just wanted to say one negative thing to end off this, uh, <laughs> to end off my remarks. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I mentioned it a few times in the past, and people always disagree with me, but I, I'm not a fan of Andrew Lincoln. Like, I like him okay as an actor, but I mean, when he, his performance, when he talks, he has these long, drawn-out pauses between each sentence. And I just don't understand why anyone would talk like that all the time. Like, it's so strange. Nobody else in the show talks like that. It's just, like, I don't know. I find he, he he's always, like, uh, struggling in, in his performance. I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's... I don't think he's a good fit for Rick Grimes. And I, I honestly think that's that's one of the big problems of the show. Like a lot of my friends, uh, their major problem with the show, aside from like some of the writing decisions, is the character of Rick. Nobody seems to really like him. Like I'm not saying people dislike him, but nobody really loves him. And he's the main character of the show. And I don't know. I kind of think they cast the wrong actor for his role. Like I really do. If If well, Rick was eaten by walkers tomorrow... Nobody would it, care. It, no, A, nobody would care. And B, if he were to be replaced with Norman Reedus, if if uh, if Daryl were to step up as leader, I can't imagine fans complaining. Guys, did you uh, did you watch the Walking Dead Paley Fest panel? No. Okay, well, I no. posted on the website. But anyways, 90% of the questions from the audience uh, during the panel, before and or after, and especially journalists, was... Uh, directed at Norman Reedus and it was all about how Norman Reedus is everybody's favorite character and they, mm -hmm. every time they asked him a question it was how do you feel about you leading the group would you want your character to be the leader of the group and he actually had a really good response his response was like no I actually don't think that Daryl would make a good leader I think he has like a, a hard enough time just taking care of himself and he does depend on people and he's not strong enough emotionally um, and I don't think that Daryl would make a good leader but the point is that Everybody likes his character way more 
than Rick Grimes. And that's kind of strange because Rick Grimes is, again, you know, the central like figure of the entire show. So it's it's actually a not uncommon thing. I've noticed it, especially in, in genre series, but really in any um, in any uh, serialized show like this, it, it's not uncommon. I kind of call it the Buffy effect for uh, the side characters to end up being more interesting than the main character because the main character is kind of straddled with, you know, in Buffy, it's she's the chosen one. So for a lot of the time, she ends up, especially in the later seasons, with more of the speechifying, more of the she's right because the show needs her to be right because she's the main character situation. And that's a show that I, that's my favorite show of all time. I love that show. But it's it's having the, the main character be your least interesting and your least colorful is not as uncommon as, as one might think. So I, I do think it's, it is true though. I don't think anybody lists very, I should rephrase, very few people seem to, when, they, when they're picking their favorite character, go with Rick. It's the Luke Skywalker and Han Solo effect almost. It's like, or, yeah, yeah. Because I think that Andrew Lincoln is playing Rick as this guy with the weight of the world on his shoulders. So he talks really slowly because it's like it's painful for him to say a word or something. And the other characters don't really have that problem. So I think, I think he's overplaying it a bit, but I think a lot of it is how they've written him and the fact that he's stuck as kind of the guy who everybody turns to, kind of the not fun person. Well, and maybe, you know, it's it's the, the parent instead of the grandparent, right? <laughs> the parent can't give them the, the candy. Uh, but uh, you, it's hard to – sometimes if you switch that role over to somebody else, then and that a different character can be better suited to being that central, more responsible or, or you know, figure, and, and the show can work better. And sometimes it, it – when you do that, this then the next character it kind of ruins the character who used to be fun. So I don't know. Maybe it, the show would work better with somebody that the audience feels more of a connection to in in the lead in the central role. But maybe not. It's it's a tricky thing. But it's definitely a good point, Ricky. All right, it's something to think about. But we got to wrap this up. So next week is the finale. Uh, in the meantime, Dan, where can we find you online? Sure. Well, I also I do write for Sound on Sites TV section periodically, and also I have a blog, um, Public Transportation Snob, which is about movies, and it's at ptsnob.com. Excellent. And uh, Rick, you run the official Sound on Sight Twitter over at at Sound on Sight, actually, and I'm at Sucker Howell. Kate is at the Televerse. If you enjoy uh, talk about television, Kate and I do a general interest TV podcast every week. We talk about all kinds of stuff. And uh, Rick, you're also uh, running a Bates Motel podcast, which, of course, started just last week with the premiere of that show and will run for the entirety of the season. Well, we actually started a TV podcast. <clears throat> We're covering uh, Bates Motel for at least the first season. We've committed to the first season in hopes that it will end up being somewhat good. Um, but basically, it's yeah, it's me and The Pine, who's uh, one of our lead contributors at the TV section of SoundSite.org. And... All the episodes would be and Randy too, right? And 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 Randy. I forgot too, Randy on right? yeah. on Facebook. Sorry, um, Randy. So uh, basically, all of our side projects, like the Game of Thrones podcast, the Walking Dead podcast, uh, the Bates Motel podcast, and whatever else we do in the future, is all going to go in the very same feed, which is the exact same feed for the show you are currently listening to. Um, so basically, yeah, um, we're probably going to be sticking to genre uh, related, like horror related shows. Um, Got, I know there's supposed to be like a lot of good shows coming out in the future, so I'm kind of excited. But Bates Motel, yeah, we've recorded one episode and we got nine more to go. And uh, we got our fingers crossed because it's a big, huge gamble, you know, with TV. You know, you don't know if it's going to be good or not, but we'll see. 
All right, and we're going to take it out with some Motorhead, because I could swear we heard some in this episode blaring out of uh, Daryl's car. And even if I'm wrong, we're still going to hear Motorhead, because I just said it. So (laughs) anyway, next week is going to be the finale. Thank you so much for joining us, Dan. Oh, no problem. It was a good time. And we'll be back. Thank you for listening. Governor Maverick it off. Turn you over, and we all give peace a chance. I agree with you, though. He would have blinked. But not you. I'm being straight with you. You were straight when you led me into the tombs. Okay, maybe I wasn't straight. You put a bag over my head. I got it done. He wouldn't. Keep moving. Here's a guy that came back for me on that rooftop. Ah, it's all on me. You know, figure. That's why I was back there in the first place. Do the dirty work. (laughs) May I? I'll take that as a yes. (laughs) 